Hey there, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and today it's my favorite topic, marketing. That's right. We have a special guest for you today. She is Alea Harris, and she's the founder and owner of Flourish Marketing, and Flourish Marketing is an agency dedicated to helping service-based creative entrepreneurs, that's you, reach their full potential through done-with-you and done-for-you marketing education. Everybody loves the done-for-you, right? Now, Alea also will help you with strategy. She'll help you with copywriting solutions that attract more clients. And she's a firm believer that business owners should make good money doing what they love. And she uses her position as an industry thought leader to share tangible revenue growth tools. Alea doesn't know this, but she and I share a background. And we're going to talk about that and much, much more on this edition of the Inside BS Show. Alea, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. I, you know, I got I got this new mic and it's like right in my face and I feel like I got to be dancing around here. Those of you who are on the podcast, you're missing me being all awkward and potentially breaking my glasses and headbutting it on the new mic. Oh, so no. this will be the last time the mic is in this position, I promise. Alea, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I can still see your face, so I we're know. good to go. Oh, my goodness. Are you taking off the glasses? I'm taking off my glasses because I'd rather poke myself in the eye than spend money on a pair of glasses. So, <laughs> Alea, the, I think the background that we share, and I might be wrong about this, but I think the background that we share is that, well, I think there's there's a lot that we share a background in, but you were a chef, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I was a chef. Yeah, uh, I was. And I went to culinary school. I actually have a degree in culinary arts. I awesome. know my way around a kitchen, but I got to tell you, you know, maybe you like it more than I do. I w- never want to spend any time in a commercial kitchen ever again. Lo- people who cook, <laughs> I love you and I will visit you and I will spend money with you, but I never want to make another meal for anyone other than people who are related to me again in the rest for the rest of my life. Tell us about your background, Alea, and tell us how you went from being a chef to being a marketing expert? So I kind of flip-flopped all around back and forth between marketing and food and where I am now. So I actually started my career, I graduated from the University of Southern California with an undergraduate degree in business marketing. So fight on for all my Trojans out there. And then I went into fashion and cosmetics and in HR and marketing. And I'm like, okay, I could, I could do this. No, I can't. And I, I could not find like something that made my heart sing, where right? I felt like I was making a true difference in somebody else's life. Like, and the company that I worked for made my butt look flat. I put on the jeans. I was like, there's no winning here with <laughs> where I'm working. I'm like, this is not working for me. So um, I actually didn't have to make a decision because as a, is as has been a theme in in my career thus far. I ask the universe really, really loudly for what I want, but then I say, but don't like take away what I have, but just give me what I want. I, you know, I don't want to like leave this job because I have a paycheck, but I want something better. And um, the universe is like, that's not how this works. So I got laid off. (laughs) I should have quit, but I got laid off. It was like, okay, well now what I'm going to do. And I'm sitting um, at my house after cooking for someone my sorority sister, and she's eating. And she goes, you know, you should go to culinary school. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything else. I was scrapbooking, which, by the way, if you don't have no money, 
and you don't have a job, scrapbooking is not the hobby to pick up. It is super expensive (laughs) to put together a quality scrapbook. So I needed to support myself and feed my scrapbooking habit. So I went to culinary school. I was in culinary school for two years. And in culinary school, I got some of the best advice I ever received, which was from a grumpy chef instructor who said, you know what, girl, you're going to have to work for 10 years, $10 an hour before you ever make anything of yourself in this gig. And I'm like, first of all, I feel like you're a little jaded. Second of all, you clearly don't know me. And I, I took it almost like a challenge. I was like, okay, bet. Let's see how, how quickly I can blow that out of the water because that's not the mentality that I have. So then while I was in culinary school, while getting straight A's and being on the Dean's List, I also started catering a private chef company. And I got 20 recurring clients within two years. And I then kind of left mostly the, the wedding and the event catering behind. And I branched into um, more private chef work. And my very first big client was Stevie Wonder. We traveled around the world together for him, cooked for Bruce Willis. And I said, okay, this is great. But what about all my other knowledge and degrees? Because, you know, like, I have this thing in my brain where I'm like, okay, I'm going to build this empire, build this empire, but you can't build your empire working for someone else. It's just, it's not going to work. But I knew that I didn't quite have my thumb on exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I applied to work for Google as a Google vendor partner on Google's food team. So I did that. And then I was promoted for my parent company to be the head of, to be the head of marketing for North America. And then I was like, okay, I'm moving further away from what I liked. I liked when I was cooking and I was helping people and I was transmitting love and joy through food. And I like helping other people make money. So how can I do all of that? How can I be around my peeps and help people make money? And then Flourish Marketing was born, which is the company that I have now. <laughs> okay. That's that, that's a great story. And you're uh, filling the gap for us from the time you were, so you were, you were a private chef and then you developed, so you were also doing your private chef, but you were also doing catering and that sort of thing. And you said at that point you got promoted. What, what was the, you, so you, if at you were. At that point I, I applied online oh, to work for okay. Google's food program. Okay. And I was actually shocked that any online application ever went anywhere. Um, and I, I got that, gig. So I still continued doing some private chef work part-time while I was working because if any of you are an Enneagram 3 or potentially a type A, we don't do one thing at a time because Mm. why why would we do that? We have to do five things at a time. (laughs) So that was me. And um, then after that, I worked um, as a Google vendor partner for three years before I was promoted um, by my my parent company. I got you. Okay. What what yeah. did you take from from your experience in the hospitality industry, from your experience uh, in kitchens, to uh, being an entrepreneur? What was the what were the things that 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 experience gave to you that helped you become the success you are today? I remember one time I was cooking and I burned myself. Not a bad burn. Not like a, oh my god, let's go to the hospital burn. But it was in the middle of. It must have been a wedding, in the middle of a wedding, and I burned myself. And I'm like, well, I could either tell the couple that I'm out, or I could wrap that mess up in a Band-Aid and keep it pushing. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. I was fine. 
Like it wasn't like my I was bleeding all in the food or my hand was falling off. But it was it was making being able to make the decision to keep going no matter what. And I had many, many moments like that. Not many burns. I didn't burn myself that much. But I had many moments where I was like, well, I could make the decision to do the easy thing or the hard thing. And every time I did the hard thing, life was better mm. in the end. Interesting. So in okay. that in the wedding situation, doing the hard thing, they got their food, they loved it. I got more clients, I got paid, all of that good stuff. And then as an entrepreneur, you have the option to do the easy thing or the hard thing. You have the option to take that framework that you got from someone else and just use that framework and stay in your box. You could, or you could develop your own and you could grow your empire and you could do the hard thing. You could do the 14 hours knowing that it's only temporary while you're growing and developing what you want to what you want to be. Yeah. Do you find doing 14 hours for somebody else is very different than doing 14 hours for yourself? 14 hours for somebody else, you're counting the minutes and sometimes you swear that the clock is going backwards. You're like, how did that even happen? Doing 14 hours for yourself is like like for me, I have to tear myself away right. from the work that I'm doing because I believe in what I'm doing. I'm doing it for myself. I'm pushing forward. Um, and while I do not recommend it as a lifestyle, um, doing it, you, you do it strategically. You're like, if I do this, it will take me to this next level. If I do this, I will land that client. If I do this, my team will be so streamlined when I get this process down that I will get back. 10 hours in my week because I finally put this process in. So you don't just do it just for shits and giggles. You do it to take yourself to that next level, which requires a constant awareness of where you are and where you're trying to go. Um, there are some people that get so bogged down in working, 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 that they've they can't see the forest for the trees. And that becomes their life and they, they forgot the fact that they became an entrepreneur in the first place to build a life they love, not to let their job run their life. That's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah. So for those of you listening who haven't experienced this yet, if you're if you love what you do, the 14 hours, you have no idea what 14 hours is. When you're when you're working for somebody else, punching a clock, 14 hours is 14 hours. The only yeah. time that probably goes slower than that, and I wouldn't know, I'm just guessing, is probably prison time, right? <laughs> because you're you're just waiting for it to end, right? Well, working for somebody else, in my opinion, and this is how I think you know if you're a true entrepreneur, working for somebody else, you know, that 14 hours, that's like a lifetime and a half. But, uh, you know, a great example is I'm, I'm in the middle of this project that I'm working on for our own marketing, and it required some intense writing. So after my kids went to bed last night, about 10 o'clock, I sat down at my desk and started in on the project. I looked up and it was 1.30 in the morning and I'm like, oh God, I got to go to bed. I got to get up in four hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I didn't even, I didn't even notice it. I mean, there are days and I'm sure, Alea, you can attest to this where you're like, you know, I, I don't think I've gone to the bathroom yet today. Let me, let me, let me oh, yeah. take a break. So yeah. when you do what you love and this is, you know, this is kind of the brand promise of your company. So I, I think, you know, it's probably a good segue. Let's talk about how did it become your mission to help people do what they love? When did, when did that occur and how did that occur to you that, hey, listen, I can do this. I can help other people get what I have. A, a couple of different ways. The first was I saw women, business owners in particular, working super duper hard and undervaluing themselves. 
So they were working just as hard, if not harder than their male counterparts, because you have the whole sociological concept of the second job. So they work their primary job, then they come home and then they're still expected to make the dinner, take care of the kids, get everybody in bed, right? And that's if, if they live in a more traditional household. So they were undervaluing themselves. So a man might take that same gig and he charges a thousand, but she's going to do the same work and charge 500. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that, why, why is that? So it was, a, it was partially driven by helping women know their worth and be able to stand in their own power mm-hmm. to say, I'm worth this and let me tell you why. It was also partially driven because I was tired. Cubicles make me itch. I never wanted to go back and sit in a cubicle ever again in my life. And once I made that decision, I think that was right before I went to culinary school, I think. Um, I was like, so how do I make this happen? And then I got a vision. I painted a very, very clear ideal scene of what I wanted my life to look like. I typed it out. I said it to myself every day. I read it every morning when I woke up and every night before I went to bed. So I programmed my mind to take myself in that direction. And I said, people don't do this. People do a lot of hoping. And hope is good. Hope is essential for any entrepreneur. Because sometimes you're like, ooh, no matter how smart or strategic I am, I sure do hope this works. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of entrepreneurship right there. But you put in the strategies and you're pretty confident that it's going to work. But you still have to keep hope alive to keep your motivation moving forward. But you can't run your life on hope alone. And people were really good at like, okay, I'm going to get a business plan. I'm going to put a strategy or I'm going to talk to this guru. But they didn't program their brains and their hearts and their minds and their guts to lead them in a direction that was actually a life that they loved. So my business focuses on, yes, we will do the done with you services. We'll help you with your social media. We'll do it for you. We'll do copywriting. We'll do strategy. But let's really talk about how you're going to reach those goals and what's holding you back. When I do business coaching, I can give two exact same people an email marketing funnel. I can write it for them. Mm -hmm. One person will put it in their email service provider like ConvertKit or Flowdesk and another person won't. Why? What's the difference? Well, one person believes that they're going to move forward and they have a mindset of forward movement and the other person gets caught up in their own excuses. Oh, well, so this got in the way or that got in the way or this got in the way. Those are the real blockages when you're an entrepreneur. If you can learn all the things, learn all the systems, get really, you know, into it. But then you realize that the more you learn, the more places there are to hide. I often see people saying, well, I've learned, I've read, read all the books. I'm like, great. Do you have a lead magnet? Like, I don't care if you've read all the books. How are you getting your clients? What is the strategy you put in place? And they've used knowledge and their, you know, thought that they're a, a voracious learner is just going to be enough to somehow catapult them to success. So there's lots of ways to hide as an entrepreneur because we're afraid to really go after what we want. So when I started Flourish, I was with the full understanding that I'm like, okay, let me get the first things I did. I'm like, okay, let me tell y'all like, yes, I can market. Yes, I can copyright. I'm really good at those things. And that's what people have come to me for. But everyone else, once you come to me, you'll read like in my testimonies, they're like, 
she showed me a totally different path and I hadn't thought about it that way and I'm going to move forward. And then you get the, the next month testimonial. They come back and they're like, oh my gosh, I just had a breakthrough. Those are my favorite, by mm. the way. And it wasn't because I'm doing some fancy dancy brand new email marketing that's never been thought of before. It's because I got them to realize how to think and how to be and how to live in the world and in their business in a way that makes that email marketing actually work. When they get those clients, they're able to attract them, convert them and close them because they believe that they can. And they know that they're doing it for their legacy, for their children, so that they can, you know, be bi-coastal, so that they can sell their house and live in Puerto Rico. Whatever the issue is, that's what they're doing it for, not just to sit at their desk and not peeing all day. Mm-hmm. So let's talk. You, the one thing that, uh, that, that you said right at the beginning is fascinating to me and... It's something that in my own business I've experienced and I dealt with it in a way that where I, I just chose not to um, like the, let, let's let's start start from the beginning of my question here. I got I have I have so many things going through my mind based on what you just said. So the so the, I was talking shorter clips. The, the 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 first thing that you said that really caught my attention was, OK, so there are people out there who engage you, they get your advice, and then they don't put it into practice. And for, uh, you know, I've been doing this on my own now since 2007. Uh, prior to that, I was in a big ticket consulting firm and I worked with Fortune 100 companies. And in both of those places, I experienced that where people would pay like the fortune, the big ticket consulting companies, fortune 100 companies would pay us millions of dollars for advice and then discard it. And in my business now, people pay me a lot of money and then they say, well, I'm not going to do that. And so what is it that you think it is that causes that block? Is it that they're too smart for the room or they just don't think this is a believable thing. They don't think it's going to work for them, even though we've shown them, right? Here are three people who are in the same business you are. They're not as smart as you, but they're getting huge results using this, right? Oh, that I'm not going to do that. What causes someone to pay us, me and you, for advice and then not to do it? What causes them to do that? As many people as there are, there's just as that many number of excuses, So they kind of fall into major buckets for me. One is a belief issue. Mm -hmm. And it could be, I don't believe you or I don't believe that I can do it. Mm. If the reason is I don't believe you, as in you, the consultant, you, the coach, I don't believe in you that you can help me. It could be a mismatch. And you're like, sometimes you're just like, you know what? I'm not the one for you. Mm -hmm. Like there's some clients that come up to me and like I'll I'll sit and I'll talk with them and they don't believe a word I'm saying. I've asked them, I said, so why don't you believe the things that I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it usually, they usually don't say, come out and say this, but it usually comes out to me being a woman or me being young Mm -hmm. or me being black or something. I'm just like, oh, well then I'm not just, I'm just not the coach for you. Nothing, nothing that I say. And and candidly, I would rather, I would rather have that conversation with someone. Listen, I don't believe what you're saying. I'd rather have that than have them plunk down all this money and come to me in a year and go, Mm -hmm. nothing happened. And I'll look at him and I'll go, nothing happened because you didn't do anything. You didn't do it. And sometimes, so so if if they didn't believe you, then it's up to you to have, to have those dose cuff conversations and ask. 
Because often we're like, I think that went well. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but mm. we're just going to see what, what they do. As opposed to being like, you know what? I don't feel like you're going to do anything that I just said. Talk to me about that. And, and, you're like, and, and being a safe place, you're like, you know what? It's no skin off my back. You can do it. You can not do it. But I just kind of want to know, like, where is your head at right now? Mm-hmm. And straight up asking. And most people, if you've done the due diligence of forming a relationship, so you're not like, who is this person? They'll, they'll have a conversation where you can start to open up pockets of, of understanding. So that's belief they don't believe you. That happens, I would think, more rarely. And my personal experience is more rarely because by the time you're signing that contract, you at least believe me a little bit to spend that amount of money with right. me. Most of the time, it's because they don't believe in themselves and their ability and their team's ability to execute. Some of that boils down to leadership skills. So if I have a marketing system that I'm putting in place and I talk to my clients and they're like, okay, great, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Okay, well, well, but I have this, you know, I have my part-timer and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get her on board. So then the conversation has nothing to do with marketing after that. The conversation is, let's talk about, like, if you know, like the five levels of leadership, right? Like, what level are you on with your team? Are they just following you because you pay their paycheck? Well, then, yeah, you're right. You're not going to get this implemented. Let's first talk about how we can get you some more authority with your own team, some more buy-in from your team to make this happen. Maybe then we need to bring the rest of your team in to the rest of this session so they can have their input and we can align on goals and everyone feels like we're going to move forward. Could be a leadership issue. It could be a time-starved issue. It could be a process issue. Your job then as a consultant is to say, okay, all I know is that something's not right. I don't think you're actually going to do this. It might also involve you being more, um, more in touch for more than you feel like you got paid for. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Because you're like, well, now you're just cutting into my hourly rate. Before that testimonial, for that happy client, for that referral for that win so that you energetically can keep moving forward because you know you helped that person. So, so sometimes when, you know, my coaching programs, if you, if you pay for just like one-off coaching and we're just sitting together for a couple hours to resolve a certain issue, I might send like one follow-up email, but you did not pay for me to touch base with you every two weeks. But again, it goes back to my why. I'm doing this, yes, to make money. I'm a big fan of money. But I'm also doing this to help people make money doing what they love. And if I leave you and I don't think that you are going to actually put into place what we talked about, you better believe I'm following up with you every two weeks. I'm holding you accountable. If it was a social media strategy, I'm going to be like, hey, DMing you. I haven't seen you post this week. What's going on? Let's talk about your scheduler. Show me a video. Because I actually believe in what you're doing. I, I feel like money is a byproduct of service and actually giving a damn about people. The money will come if you give a damn. You can't go after the money first. You have to go after the results for your clients first. And then the money will come. That's been my experience. I had Flourish Marketing before I was, oh yeah, I was laid off a second time, BT dubs. I was laid off from being the head of marketing for North America. And I had started it, but I was, you know had my golden handcuff situation again, like, oh, I really want to out, but like, don't take away this paycheck situation. So then the universe is like, so we're laying you off again. Clearly you have not learned that lesson yet. <laughs> and I started it and then I decided Flourish Marketing started off with just marketing to the wedding industry. This was February, 2020 that I got laid off. 
March 2020 was the pandemic. I remember having to build my audience from scratch in a pandemic in the wedding industry. What did I do? I served. I gave away as much free information as I possibly could. I was prolific. I showed up every day. You were going to see my face. You were going to hear my voice. And now I have 10 people that work for me and it's a year later. I'm only telling you what works for me and what works for my clients. You can decide to do it or not. But yeah. I think that you should. I, you know, I, the, my entire business now has been uh, spent disqualifying people who think they're a good fit for me. And I, the conversation that I have at the beginning sounds like it's similar to yours. Conversation I have in the beginning is, look, anybody that you work with, anybody who's worth their salt can give you, can help you with a solid marketing plan. What is going to separate what we do together from what you could do with anybody else is two things. Number one, it's going to be that we're going to customize this to suit your strengths. And then number two, I'm going to give you shortcuts that will that will lead to the execution. But in the end, the execution is going to be up to you. So even, you know, and I'm curious about you with done for you services, even with done for you services, you know, the services are done for you. They could bring the client right in front of you. But if you don't know how to close that client or you're too busy rearranging the flower pots on your windowsill to make the appointment that you set (laughs) for them with the client who's ready, willing and able to be closed, it ain't going to happen. Right. So, you know, I have that conversation right up front and I tell them, look, you're paying all this money. Here's what you're going to get. I'm going to give you the marketing plan and we're going to customize the marketing plan to suit your strengths. And you're going to have to make some hard choices. You're going to be uncomfortable a good portion of the time. But if you do this, here here are the results you can expect. And candidly, the execution is going to be on you. And if you're willing to accept that, then I'm willing to do my part and help you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in your, in your experience, Alea, when you work with someone and you provide the done-for-you services... Do they come to you and think, oh, you know, all I got to do now is sit back and the clients are going to show up in my lap? Or are they, you know, are they ready, willing, and able to put in the work? A little bit of both. I look at it like this. If any of you are married out there, right, when you first get engaged, you're like, oh, this is great. You first get married, you're like, oh, this is great. And don't get me wrong. I love my husband. He is my favorite person in the whole wide world. But after that first little honeymoon phase, you're like, oh, wait, no, this is what actual marriage is. (laughs) But you don't know that until you're actually in it. The same thing is true for done for you marketing services. (laughs) What you don't realize as a client is that you're actually, you thought you were married to your business before, but you were really just dating. You might have been engaged. Now you're married to your business. You're making a stronger commitment or maybe you renewed your vows and you're like, wait a minute, life is a little bit more complicated than I thought. I give that situation a lot of grace. So there's people that say, whoa, so I knew that you told me I was going to take these emails and like you're going to put them in my email service provider, but like People are emailing me now, and I didn't actually, I knew it was going to work. I wasn't doubting you, but I was doubting you. I didn't know this was actually going to work. What do I do now? (laughs) And it doesn't really matter sometimes how much you prep them in advance. 
they're still shocked. And it's a new way of thinking and a new way of being. And for me, it often turns in from like they've been in scarcity run mode for so long that now they're seeing abundance flowing and they kind of like don't know how to catch it. They're trying to catch the flow of abundance like water in their in their hands. And sometimes it's just like, here's a cup. Like, here's the part-time salesperson I'd recommend that you hire to help qualify those deals after they come into your email, right? Here, here is the uh, CRM that I recommend that you use. And you just sometimes need to give them that cup to catch the abundance after they're flowing, uh, after they've re- renewed their vows to their business and they actually understand what life is like. But I do agree with you, Dave. You can see from the beginning who someone is going to be kind of at that end stage. You can see if they're going to be like, "Woo, this is happening. What do I do? I need help, but I'm going to do it. And then you can kind of tell the people that are like, oh, I'm just going to ghost people. And I'm sorry. If you tell people that I do your marketing and you're ghosting people, that's my reputation. I have worked way too long and way too hard for you to screw up my reputation. So those are the people that I, yeah, I'd be like, you know what? I have a great free resource section on my website. (laughs) Maybe you should look there first. (laughs) Have Have you had the experience where you work with people and they experience a lot of success, and then they realize that they're in the entire wrong career. Like all of a sudden, there's this is the first time. I, and I'll give you an example. So I work with this. I worked with this lawyer for three years, and the first year I worked with him was like a foundational year. And his, you know, he was a sole practitioner, but he had a paralegal and an, an administrative assistant. When he came to me, he was doing like one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year in revenue. Well, we went to to six fifty in the first year and he put he put systems in place and he did he did great and he doubled again the next year and then I started noticing him just being uh his personality changed and he was being much more resistant to the ideas and he there was pushback and finally one of our one of our regularly scheduled sessions I said to him stop for a minute Something's going on, and I noticed over the last six months, this has been progressing to where, you know, we're kind of button heads a little bit here, and I'm not in this business to, to you know, aggravate people, so explain to me what's going on, and he, there, there was a long pause, and he said, I got to tell you, he's like, I now have a success that I can't stand. He said, I was perfectly happy when I was not successful. Because I was miserable, but I knew that, you know, there was a future for me. If I got the business, it would all work out. He's like, now I got the money, but I got no freedom. And this business is not for me. I don't want to be a lawyer. And so the next eight months was spent with us transitioning him from that business into another business where hopefully he's now, and then then we got to. What the did he do? Month. What did he do after being a lawyer? Um, he started. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to kind of give away. He started a very unique business. He started a business that is unique and that serves the legal industry. So oh, okay, he can gotcha. he can now use what he learned that made him so miserable 
And it, it's very relatable to other lawyers at, because probably 50% of the people who are in that industry wish they were doing something else because they went into law school because they didn't know what to, to do when they graduated, right? They went to law school because they graduated, they had good grades, and they didn't want to go to work yet, so they went to law school. And so they're miserable as lawyers now, and what he does is he helps them take away some of that misery. So he was able to find a really good niche for himself outside of the practice of law. And P.S., he still has the law firm. He hired somebody to do the legal work. So now he's like the CEO of that law firm. Yeah, and he, That was, was going to be my thing. Yeah, like, no, no, no. We did, that was the first out. thing we did was to bring in somebody to do the legal work so he could get home to see, uh, you know, his family. But, you know, that experience, that to me, if you pay me all this money and you realize that your career choice is not right, that's as valuable as us becoming successful in a career that, you know, you wanted in the first place. You realizing that you got to make a move and go somewhere else in order to be happy. That's why I love the the mission of your business is to help people become successful doing what they love because putting that out there up front gives you permission to say to them, you know, you're you're really kind of crabby. Yeah, you're really kind of <laughs> crabby. What's going on there? Is it is it your work? Do you hate your work? I mean, you know, is that the deal? You know, the and your analogy about being in the kitchen, right? I know people. I worked with people. I I live with someone right now who they burn themselves in the kitchen and that's like a badge of honor and they're like, "Oh, I, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep moving forward." You know, me, I lost the feeling in my fingertips because I burned them so much and I'm like I would do anything to have that back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> screw this. I never want to be that's in the kitchen funny. again. <laughs> that's funny. That's All right, let's funny. let's talk about let's talk about marketing and your success in marketing and how you help your clients become successful. Take us through your approach. So, your um your a new client comes to you and how does it work? How do you determine what the best fit from a marketing perspective is going to be for this new client? Generally, it depends on what they're coming to me for. So if they're just coming for, you know, my social media membership, they just kind of buy and they join. Um, But if they're coming for anything else that's a larger service, I always start off with some type of messaging strategy. Everyone thinks that they're super clear about their business. And then I go to their websites. I'm like, so what do you do? Mm. I'm like, I've scrolled down to the bottom and I've read it like a normal human being does without reading every single word. And I have no idea what you do. My favorite is folks um, in like uh, in nonprofits and financial services that always have pictures of people climbing mountains <laughs> and yeah. like backpacking. And I'm like, are you REI? Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is supposed to be about goal achievement and attainment. I'm like, right, right, right. You would be better served showing me a stack of hundreds than showing someone scaling a mountain. And it's always some super fit model. Like it's the guy who's all buff and the woman in the yoga pants or the tight shorts who's climbing the mountain. You know, where's the fat slob who looks like me? That's what should be on your website. Take him, (laughs) climb him up the mountain. Let me see him. If you can get him to the top of the mountain, you got something there. Now you have my attention. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see. Let me see the guy who's like out of breath all sweaty that's the guy you get him to the top of the mountain i'm gonna 
pay you whatever you want because that's where I'm coming from, baby. <laughs> that's exactly right. Those of you who are out there building that website right now, go find a fat, sloppy person. Right. Get him on a mountain. That's the, the guy I want. Yeah, that's and then so tell funny. me about your 175 years of combined experience. experience? That's, that's, oh my my, that's my favorite, too. We have 175 years of combined experience. Like so you, you got have a hive mind. You've somehow been able to put it all into a pot and stir it. Come on. Yeah. Now the, the the best the best thing you can do is is clarity of messaging and you know this is this is what we help people do. All right, so they come to you and you get their you get their message right. And we get their message right. Okay. And what? I use a, the story brand framework to get their message right. I'm a story brand certified guide and when we when we talk them through there's usually push back because I'm like, "So what does your character want or what does your ideal customer want or your target market want? What do they want?" And they usually say, let, let, let's say they're a marketing company. They usually say they want marketing that works. I was like, they don't want that. That's not keeping them up at night. Right. What they, what they want is to spend more time with their kids. What they want is to go on more vacations a year. What they want is to not hate their job. That's what they actually want. And then they need to find you to help get there. But you're not who, they're not like, oh, if only I could find a marketer. Like, I wish people stayed up at night thinking that, but that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's the very first mentality shift that most people have to make is from my business is about me to my business is about other people. So we, we get their message together and we help them make that mentality shift. And then after that, we give targeted solutions. My favorite question to ask someone, because usually a lot of service-based businesses come to me and they're like, we need to get on Instagram. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's slow down for a second. Why do you need to be on Instagram? Well, because somebody told me I should. I listened to the podcast. I took someone's master class. I need to get on Instagram. That's how I'm going to get my business. And I'm like, maybe. But let's actually talk about your business. And, and, and I'm like, you're a semiconductor industry. Like, you probably would be better on LinkedIn, if anything. But let's actually talk about a totally different approach. Because your problem is not attracting clients. Your problem is closing clients. So let's talk about sales instead of Instagram. Mm. So I, we come up with the targeted solutions that actually meet their goals. And like you were talking about with the, with the gentleman who decided he was like, I am not a lawyer. I'm like, what are your goals right now? Like, what is, what is the life raft that you need in order to be able to breathe above water? Because usually when people come to marketers, they're like, I have this huge problem. I need it solved now. Like once we solve that, then let's look a little bit further. What does it look like in six months? What does then it look like in a year, five years? Where's the trajectory? Because then we can begin to put together a long range action plan to, to get you to that North Star that you're trying to head to. And yes, we might eventually talk about Instagram, but it's rarely the first thing that people need in, in their business to grow their business. Then after that, we check in and I make sure that they, they, they're staying on track. So what's the, what's the one skill that if somebody had in marketing you think would make all the difference in the world for them? Is there, do you have, do you have one thing that you say? For, for marketers or for business owners? Well, for business, for business owners who are, who are doing some of their own marketing, right? So mm-hmm. what is the one skill that you say to, to somebody, look, you have this, you're going to be fine. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, in my, for me, it's copywriting. Right. If I if I have an entrepreneur who is inside the head of his client or her client, like he knows the conversation that's going on in the mind of his client and he can and he can write and his writing speaks to that. 
I think we got something because we can then do videos and he can speak right to their pain, right? We can, we can write copy and do direct mail and he can speak to their pain. We can write web copy and the web copy will speak to their pain. The email copy will resonate with them. People are going to look forward to the weekly email they get from him or her because it's like they're having a conversation with a friend, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody has those two things, they can write great copy and they can get inside the mind of their client. I know I got, I got something special there. If they have one of the two, I know we can work with them to to bring the other one. If they have the desire to develop either one of those, I know we got something. But when they come to me and they're just like, "What are you gonna? You know, what are you gonna do for me? Where are my clients? You know, I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know what we can do. What's the what's the skill that you're you're hoping? You're thinking to yourself, look, if they bring this to me, I know we can go as far as they're willing to go. It actually is underlying your skill because I actually don't need you to be able to write anything. I need you to be empathetic. I need you to have the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, like what you were saying. Empathy is, is the greatest marketing skill ever because it allows you to really hone in on a problem, to be able to record a video that you give to a copywriter that they can turn into words that hit people in the head, the heart, or the gut. Mm-hmm. That's how people make purchases. Yes, you need to have your services clearly outlined and your website needs to be clean and clear. But if you don't grab your client's attention with something that they go, oh, crap, yeah, that is my problem, then you're not going to get the business. So copywriting is great. I'm, I'm a copywriter. I'm a big fan of copywriting. But I just need you to be able to articulate the position of your client. And we can take it from there. And also, when you come from a place of empathy, what I've noticed is you've spent so much time being in their shoes that you really want them to be successful. So the decisions you make in your business, the strategies that you put in place, all lead to them being successful, which leads to you being successful. So I could sit here and be like, you need to know how to do SEO, but that's that. I'm a big fan of delegating. I can do SEO. Am I going to do it myself? Heck no. Mm. That's not my zone of genius. I want you to stay in your zone of genius. I want you to be able to stay in that flow, make money doing what you love. And unless you love SEO, don't worry about it. Outsource it. But what you can't outsource is the, the ability to empathize and the one who knows a client so well that you carve out your niche in the market. The best CEOs to me huge companies, small companies, are the ones who are willing to even have that IBM blue shirt on, but they're rolling up their sleeves and they're talking to clients. They're the ones that are out there on the weekend. They're the ones who still do a sales call a month. They're the, they're the ones who stay in touch because they're the ones with the, the, the broadest perspective. They're also the ones that listen to their team. I tell my team all the time, I'm like, what do you got for me? Why is this not working? Like, I know like it's great, but what, what's wrong? We, there's something that's always wrong. Why are we not serving the client? Why, the, what, the client seems happy, but how could they be happier? How could we move forward? And you're the one that's dealing with this, so you let me know. Well, I do think that they want different images or they you know, would love to talk to you, you know, more often. Or Sweet, let's make that happen. And being able to serve, 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 and having that mentality makes for the best clients for me. All right, so now let's go in the in the few minutes we have left. Let's talk about mistakes 
people make with their marketing and how they can avoid them, right? What are uh, some, you know, we talked about the website and how, you know, you're putting the, the fit, great looking couple on there. And what you really should have is a couple that looks more like the, per- the people that you actually work with, right? And, you know, other mistakes are making your website all about you versus all about your client. What other mistakes do you see people making with their, with their marketing that they need to just stop right now? Missed expectations. So if, as a marketer, I could wiggle my nose and get you 20 clients tomorrow, I would, because mm. I'm nice like that, but I'd be doing it from a private island, hanging out with Richard Branson. Like, I, I wouldn't, it's, it's marketing, not magic. And if you go into when you're going to say, even for yourself, I'm going to send this email out, and all my problems are going to be solved. I'm going to post on Instagram for a month, and all my problems are going to be solved. You're going to be really, really frustrated, and you're going to start saying silly things like marketing doesn't work. Mm. So fix your own expectations first. That's the biggest mistake. Then the next tangentially biggest mistake that I see is lack of consistency, which often comes from mismanaged expectations. So you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go hard for a month. And after you're like, oh, but now I'm going to do this. And then it's like, you know, shiny object syndrome where you go to the next thing. Someone who is consistent will outsell, outmarket, out, out money, even the best person in their industry because they are consistent. I know that it is old and it is cliche and that it is trite, but it is true that people buy from who they know, like, and trust. People know how to know you, like you, and trust you when you show up consistently. So if you're saying, well, I just didn't have time to do that, I'm like, so you didn't have time to make money then. And you're not really, you put in another system, hire a part-time person, outsource that to stay consistent. Um, that's another huge mistake that, that I see um, people, people making. Another mistake is expecting for a silver bullet. So they say, I'm going to use LinkedIn marketing. Well, what happens, you know, if LinkedIn goes offline or Mm. Instagram has gone offline? Like that's your entire audience, right? You need to have a full marketing system. And that seems overwhelming because they're like, wait, so I need to do email. I need to do social. I need to do PR. Yes. Now, where you dial things up and dial things down depends on your particular situation, your budget, your goals, all of that. But you need to, just like how you diversify your stock portfolio, you diversify your marketing mix to make sure that no matter what's coming at you, you have a way to have a consistent flow of quality leads that you can close. If you are saying, well, but I get all my leads from word of mouth. Yeah, if you didn't learn that that was a problem during the pandemic, then God bless you. But it's a huge problem if that's your only marketing system. You need to become your own referral source and use marketing to actually do that. So I think that was three mistakes. No, that's great. I, that's, you know, and to your to your point about consistency, I think you're you're better served having the attitude, I'm just going to do this until it works or I'm going to do this until I find someone who can help me make this work or I'm going to do this until I make so many mistakes that the only thing left for me is success. That's the attitude. You know, I, I say this to my clients, but that's the attitude I've had in my business from the beginning. It's like, I, I'm going to keep doing this because I know it, eventually other people are doing this successfully and I'm going to keep doing it until I figure it out or until I drop dead 
trying. So, you know, and I use the example of making videos on YouTube for years. I made videos on YouTube that nobody watched. And then one day my phone rang and it was uh, a a fantastic six-figure client that had watched all of my videos that I had made over the last three years. And they said to me, you know, we feel like we know you already. You're the only person who can help us with this project. And at that point, I had stopped doing the videos and I'm like, oh, shit. I got to start doing the videos again because they worked. It only took three years. They worked. <laughs> and I, you know, I've had be- that exact same experience. Yeah. And, and it's like cricket. And you're just like, come on. <laughs> I am going to do this. And this is why, you know, those of you who are listening now and who are watching now, this is the reason why I do this show every day of the week, seven days a week. I made the commitment to doing that Ooh. back in December of 2020. I had done a podcast four different times in the past. And each time I did it, I enjoyed it, and it was very fulfilling. But I thought to myself, look, I'm investing all this time, I'm investing all this energy, and I don't know that I'm getting the return that I should. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to commit to it every single day until I figure out how I can use this as a tool to grow my business. And so I made a list of what I hated about it, and I immediately outsourced all that stuff. And then I started doing the show on a daily basis. We went from probably 1,500 listeners in November 2020 to uh, the latest numbers. Uh, This is We're recording this toward the end of March, and we've already crossed the 25,000 download threshold for March. So, but, you know, so far... I have not, you know, I haven't landed a million dollar client as a result of the podcast, but what I have done is I have the, the takeaways from the podcast for the first four months of doing it every day alone. The things I've learned from my guests have helped me grow my business by 30% just in the first quarter because I learned stuff from the people I was interviewing. So even if I never make a dollar in live revenue from somebody saying, I heard your show, I want to work with you, even if I never make a dollar from that, this has been worth its weight in gold for mm. the learning and the experience purposes. So I think the the big mistake, if, if I was going to highlight one, it's not recognizing that the the in a lot of cases, the journey can be the destination until it delivers what you're looking for. So you're, you know, you're doing YouTube videos every day. If you're not learning while you're doing them, then you're missing out on probably one of the most valuable aspects of being in business for yourself. And that's continuing to grow during the process. Absolutely. I, I think that you hit on something that's really, really key that abundance is not just people paying you money. There's a lot of ways to experience abundance and growth if you're smart like Dave to realize what they look like. That 30% growth that you saw in your business from your from your guests is something that other people might not have really paid attention to because they're like, oh, I haven't nailed that million dollar client yet. Let me, let me looking at what they got. Let like, me give whoa. you let me give you a great tangible example. So two months ago, I had a guy on the show, and every time I tell a story uh, related to the like, I, we talked about so much. I had him on, and we talked for forty five minutes. And during that forty five minutes, he was a, he was a marketer too, and we talked about we talked about anxiety and panic attacks. We talked about uh, running the business. We talked about bookkeeping. 
So during the show, we talked about two things that have been huge for me and for my audience. First thing we talked about was his experience with anxiety and panic attacks, and he was vulnerable and brought it up. I opened up about my experience with that, and that led to a flood of people reaching out to me saying, thank you so much for talking about this. I sent that episode to a friend who listened to it, and now they're listening to your show every day. I mean, dozens and dozens of people. So that was the first gift this gentleman, Super Sid uh, Clevenger, gave me, right? The second gift he gave me, we, we moved on from that to talking about running a business, and he was saying how... He has, you know, the greatest bookkeeper on earth, and she helped him apply for a PPP loan, blah, 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 the whole bit. And we talked about how he had been doing his books himself, and then when he outsourced it, it was a big, you know, weight off of his shoulders. And, you know, I had been in a place where... We weren't. We had we had fired our bookkeeper last year, and we, and we you know the pandemic. We didn't replace her because we were like, well, we just saved the money. And so you know what happened? Nobody was doing the books, right? It was a Nobody mess. Nobody was doing the and books. And yeah. so, um, so I said, you know what? I need a bookkeeper. Let me call Sid's person. This woman, Sarah Dunham, she's going to be on the show in two weeks. She's amazing. So she's she straightened out our books in two weeks. She straightened out all my books from last year. She got us on track and. She said, oh, I see you applied for a PPP loan last go around. Do you want to apply this time? And I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. It took me four times. And the only reason we got it last time, because I'm a sole practitioner, I, you know, everybody that, that's on my team is a contractor. The only reason we got it was because somebody at Chase took a liking to me. I don't think mm. it's going to be. And she said, let, let me give it a shot. So she started working on it like three months ago uh, when, when we first, you know, started working together. And you know, she's, we have weekly meetings and she gives me an update and I'm like, look, whatever, don't, don't kill yourself. I know it's not going to happen. Well, suffice it to say last week we were notified that we were approved for a PPP loan in the second round and she got, she got me double what I got the first time. Wow. And I said, I had similar experience with bookkeepers. People think of bookkeepers like, oh, that's just the person that knows how to use QuickBooks. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I even sent out an email to my email list. I was like, get a bookkeeper. They, you know, get get a bean counter. You'll have more beans, is what I said. Right. Because they they, they do so much more than just run your QuickBooks for you. <laughs> so if you said to me, Dave, you've been doing a show every day now for at the end of this month, it'll be four consecutive months, right? How much mm-hmm. money have you made from it? Well, do I point to the fact that I got double the amount of the PPP loan that I got last time? Do I point to the fact that, you know, I've I've uh, 10 times, 15 times the size of my audience. I mean, what do I, you know, so maybe there's no direct money where somebody who said, I just listened to the show. I got to give you a million dollars. Maybe there's, <laughs> but there is a huge benefit. And this is true in every single process, every single Absolutely. process out there. You could be, you, you could be raking a yard somewhere and learn from that process. If your mind is open to it. All right, Alea, how can, how can we get involved with you? So people who are listening, they love you, they want to get involved. How can they get involved with you? So first, the best step is to go visit our website at flourishmarketing.co, not .com. That's not me. Flourishmarketing.co, that is me. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Alea Harris, A-L-E-Y-A-H-A-R-R-I-S. And on either of those places, you can book a call with me and we can talk about your, your pain points, your goals, and how we can help you 
move forward with uh, copywriting, marketing strategy, and business coaching. Okay, and now you have there's there's free stuff too, right? Because you said you uh, wanted to yeah. give away free stuff. Where can we get the where can we get the free stuff? And the free stuff is so that you can get to know Alea, and then you know eventually when you're ready and you're willing to invest, you can you know you can join her uh, join her one of her groups. You can invest in coaching. You can book the call. Do what she says and make a lot of money. So where's the free stuff? The free stuff is at flourishmarketing.co slash freebies, freebies with an S, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. I also on flourishmarketing.co have a huge resource section that has all of my thought leadership articles on there, other podcasts that I've been on, including this one, which will be up there, um, probably when you're listening to it, and um, two different blogs and downloads, and also tools that I use in my own business that you can use to help grow yours. All right. Well, Alea, it has been an honor. It's, uh, I can't believe an hour went by. Whoops. See it? There you go. I, it took me an hour. I finally banged my head on the mic. <laughs> an hour went by just like that. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was, it was great. We had a few laughs and, uh, I'm not going to be able to get that image of the fat, sweaty guy climbing the mountain out of my head for the rest of the day. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Our guest today was Alea Harris. Go to her website and check it out. There's some freebies there for you. Book a call with her. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You learn something and you make more money, right? So join Alea Harris at, um, you know, you made me take my glasses off and now I can't. Give us your website again. (laughs) Alea, give us your website one more time so people can go there and book a call with you. Flourishmarketing.co. www.flourishmarketing.co. All right. Flourishmarketing.co. Alea, it was great having you on. Thanks for joining us. My friends, we're here every day with another show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. We'll be back, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life. <laughs>